Welcome to Cold Pizza. I am your host today, Pastor Jeff, because Pastor Russ preached yesterday. Hey there, guys. And so I get to sit in the host seat. This is a first time for me, which means we can talk as long as we want. You're in control. I'm in control. Yes. I'm in the driver's seat. I love it. Now, uh, we are excited to be to talk about um, the passage that we went over. We had a little bit of a break over Christmas, which was a real joy, which is pretty cool. I was reflecting on this yesterday. It's pretty cool to see how Hebrews, without us really planning it, just took us right through Advent, right into the new year. There was a little planning. Yeah, a Let's little play. bit of planning. <laughs> on our side. On the music but God side. is sovereign. I mean, you, you know, oh, it, yeah. it is a little hard to like, to like jockey the book of Hebrews to fit, but it fit so well. It did. It was perfect. Yeah. At the beginning of it, uh, cause I was working on graphic stuff and music and we're like, it'd be really nice to not have to step out for something else. Right. Doesn't Hebrews talk about Jesus a lot, especially up front? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, look at this. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the sermon I preached was like, oh, basically this is why we do Christmas. It was hundred percent that. Yeah. You know? I didn't kind of realize that till halfway through prep. I was like, <laughs> oh, this fits perfectly. God is sovereign. And I was like, well, Matt just plans really well. So, <laughs> so yeah. But uh, Pastor Russ finally got to preach a warning text. Of somehow <laughs> all the warning texts were being given to Matt. Um, yeah. Which he handles quite well, but uh, you he's got not, to do a warning text. What do you think about that? He's not the only one with a staff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so Russ covered, um, we got to cover Hebrews 3, 12 through 19. Uh, so a warning to take care, uh, lest we fall away because of an unbelieving heart. And it was, it was kind of cool, you know, if you've been around Christ the Lord for a while, you remember our um, our Exodus series. Mm-hmm. So you see all these strings being, yeah. you know, pulled all the way through Joshua, all the way up to Hebrews. I think it's, it's a really powerful foundation for, uh, for for our congregation. I mean, yeah. in some senses, we have some age behind us because of the plants that we were. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, in some ways, we're still a burgeoning con- congregation. Yeah. And to have that kind of a foundation from Exodus. Uh, into Revelation, and mm-hmm. then into you know Joshua, and now Hebrews. That's a lot of Old Testament beef. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump into anything again from Paul or one of the Gospels. Yeah, and Hebrews is kind of putting a nice, uh, nice icing on top of the cake, mm-hmm. as it were. So, uh, so we want to talk um, about some of these warnings, and if I can, just kind of, I'll probably give us these kind of pillars to set our time on, and then we won't pay attention to them at all. But um, I, I want to talk about the deceitfulness of sin, um, false assurance. What does false assurance look like? And then what does true assurance look like when it comes to these things? We talked a lot yesterday about um, the assurance of the believer. You talked a lot about um, how you can know that you know that you know. Uh, and, and many conversations I had after the service... Uh, people were really helped by that. But I think that uh, one thing that was kind of heavy on my heart as you begin to preach, and I was praying for you in this, is that you're dealing with a, a text that the warning is is warning us of the deceitfulness of sin. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that um, I, I can fall into this myself in general, um, but our people in particular, as we shepherd them, I don't know if we are aware of how deceptive, tricky, sly, 
slick sin is. Yeah. Um, and, and the weight of which uh, we come to these matters, because I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I think it was in a communion devotion, because we say this all the time here in the office, it's life and death. Mm-hmm. These matters are life and death. Yeah. And so I think there's a, a real danger in a sermon like yesterday for right off the bat someone to um, say, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So Pastor Rusty is going to talk about how to know the assurance of your salvation, you know, to coin a, <laughs> an old school phrase. And so I can just check out because I don't struggle with that and miss the warning entirely. Yeah. 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 That, that was one of the biggest challenges I was struggling with last week besides <laughs> being out of the office. Uh, right. Really, like I know this passage pretty well. Like I said, I have had to spend a good bit of time in this over the past year. Mm-hmm. But I've used it uh, as a sh- as a shepherd um, to help to help people see clearly where they're at. That's that's part of why I I push the cycles thing at the end, right? Um, is saying hey, no, you, you think it's this, but this is where you're at, mm-hmm. and really kind of getting into the mud with it mm-hmm. and using it that way. And so trying to figure out how to best then proclaim it to the flock. I yeah. mean. It, that's our primary target on Sunday. It's not the the lost people that's there. It's not the visitors. Right. Um, it's not necessarily even the uh, the false assuredly people. Right. Yeah. Our, our primary target is those who we are equipping to do the work of the ministry. who are going to run the race. Yeah. And so for me, jumping into um, I, I, not necessarily my take, but my, my opportunity at a warning passage was to say it's especially in Hebrews, the eight of them, it's not an actual danger to those who are true. Right. Like it's not something you have to worry about Mm. because you are what you are. Yeah. And so being able to take the opportunity to say, Hey, this warning is actually an encouragement. Yeah. Uh, is an important note to take, I think, as you walk through Hebrews, but to your point, (laughs) there's this massive other side of it. That we have been hitting pretty hard yeah. of watching out for false assurance. Yeah. I, the last thing I want to do is handhold somebody into hell. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, that, that's a really hard uh, thing to balance as you as you preach these these texts. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope as you listen to all of them, not just mine and, and Matt's, and I think Jeff has one here in a couple of weeks. Um, that's that's what we're trying to hold in both hands is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right assurance and freedom of what it means to be a sheep in God's flock. Yeah. Versus, yeah, there's a, there's there's still danger here. That's this part of why I wanted to separate the result from the danger. Yeah. Because the result for a sheep is there's no death. Mm-hmm. You've already had your death in Christ. You're new. You're born again. Right. So there's no there's no result of of failing to make it that you have to worry about. What you do have to watch out for is the deceitfulness of some. Yeah. And for me, the thing that I try to use in my personal fight against sin, and I, I think you guys have heard this before, I, I use the, the phrase, you have to taste death. Mm-hmm. It, that is the deceitfulness, is you know that it's wrong simply because you know God's law, yeah. right, ideally. Yeah. Uh, you know that whatever sin you're enticed with um, is wrong out the gate, but why do you still then want it? Why is it still enticing? Because it's promising something that it can't deliver. Mm-hmm. And we know that, and we know that, and we know that, and then, then we take a bite, and we're like, "Oh yeah, this does suck. This is awful." Right. I used to go to the county fair, and um, I always, I always wonder why my children love sweets so much. And then I remember my mom tells me these kind of stories over Christmas. 
It's like, Jeffrey, when you were to go to the county fair, I would ask for all sorts of candy, but the thing that I wanted the most was cotton candy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get those giant things of cotton candy. And of course, then I had little brothers and I could, you know, conveniently <laughs> borrow theirs. And this is, sin is like that. Uh, you know, you pop cotton candy in your mouth and it dissolves right away. So you got to have more and more and more until you're puking the rainbow at the end, which always <laughs> happened to me at the county fair because it didn't satisfy. You had to, no. had to pop more, right? Um, and and we, we know that, right? Yep. As we approach it. Um, and, and that's, that's part, I guess that's some of Paul's struggle when he says the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's appealing to legitimate good things is the mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've been off carbs for a while until the fall came. Right. And, uh, and I enjoy the fall flavors. Yeah. So As do I <laughs> jumped into that stuff, but it's the same thing. You like, I love biscuits and gravy. Oh yeah. Why not? And you eat that, and as Jim Gaffigan says, it's like concrete. It is concrete. <laughs> you, you finish that delightful breakfast. Right. And you, you polish it off with some extra sausage so you have some protein and such. Right. But but then you don't do anything the rest of the day. Right. And you remember, oh, this is what it's like to eat quick rate, You know. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that the, the danger <clears throat> when we come to a text like this and these warnings, and this is why sin is so deceitful in, the, in our flesh – and the worldly uh, philosophies in which we're always bombarded with, and the evil one, the liar, uh, Satan, is is at work in the midst of the word of God going forth as well, right? And so yep. he's going to use, he's going to come in a, as an angel of light. He's going to give you every opportunity to say, well, that's not for me, or yes, but did God actually say? Mm-hmm. And and often we don't see people, you gave the example of the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. the people going to the Grand Canyon, and how many people died Falling off the edges? On average, 11 people die at the Grand Canyon year. It's okay. not all from falls, but yeah. Okay. And so there's a, Russ told a story about a guy who um, was trying to scare his child, his five-year-old little daughter, by <laughs> acting like he fell over the ledge. Like dads do. Right. And there was a smaller ledge just um, out of eye shot, and he overestimated it. Yep. Right? And actually fell to his death. Yes. Um, and so... I, that's the mistake that we make, but so so we do have this overestimation of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think that that is necessarily the norm, right? We're, you don't usually see people jumping out of the pan into the fire. You no. see the slow biscuits and gravy drip. Yes, right. I think that's yeah. It's Absolutely. it's it's the it's the it's the slow um, dragging of the feet in the wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're at the uh, the Jordan River. And all the little compromises and all the little grumblings and all the little unbelief has led you to that point to yep. forget that you've been delivered from Egypt and now to look across and say, we, we can't do that. Yeah. And, and I, I think I didn't draw this out yesterday because there's already a ton of Old Testament references. Right. <laughs> but it's the, the same people who, who he's upset with who did not enter into the land are the same people that had a fornication party at Sinai right. <laughs> because Moses took too long. Yeah. Like it's not, it's like, Oh yeah, well that makes sense. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. He didn't, he didn't get all of them. Right. Type thing. Right. <laughs> it's, it's so when I talk about yesterday, it being like your status, like the, the, the category of people like, man, that, that's a category of people who are going to yeah. do that yeah. in that place at that time from yeah. where they came from. And it should be no surprise then that it spreads through the whole camp. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I won't get ahead of myself, but a, a, a picture of, you know, we look at the, is there a weightiness to this generation didn't enter, mm-hmm. right? Like they're killed off and they're wandering around so that they may be killed off. Yeah. Right. That's a heavy thing. And oftentimes we look at that and we say, how unfair, no grace, no goodness or whatever. But that's not the, uh, we got the wrong end of the stick there. What we should be saying is, why does anybody get to go in? That's why I brought up the patience thing towards the end. And I I wish I could have spent more time on this because that is the objection I hear the most. Yeah. And that's why I I wanted to make sure that we understand that the pronouncement happened before the 40 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And then there was 40 years of grace. Right. Like you talked about. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't give. He gave him forty years, right? Yeah, and and nothing changed. Nope. They continued to provoke him. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's that. And this again, this is a whole other podcast. But that's that. Um, we shouldn't say why did he hate Esau, but we should say why would he love Jacob? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I think we got to be careful about the uh, overestimating of ourselves and thinking that this is not for me, and or saying, well, I'm not as stupid as that guy at the Grand Canyon to to just jump off and be that dumb. Well. Um, but you're making small, stupid mistakes every day. Oh, yeah. You're making small, foolish mistakes every day mm-hmm. that are going to lead to that one day turning around and saying, how, how did I get here? Yep. Right. I, I don't know if I've used this analogy before, but it's the Pilgrim's Progress. Christian gets off the path. Yeah. Straight and narrow is too hard. His feet are hurting. And as far as he can see, it's just more rocks and straight up. And there's a green path, cushy to the feet, right next to the path. Yep. And as far as he can see, it goes parallel. Yeah. And and but ever so slightly it begins to go away. But his rationale is as long as I can see the straight and narrow, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And of course that just progresses and progresses until he finds himself in a huge mess. Yep. You know. And but by God's grace, he would have continued to destruction. But uh, I think often I was convicted yesterday of just kind of the um, flippant attitude that I can have towards sin. And there's, there's always a way back. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, where does uh, confidence come from? <laughs> right. <laughs> to be so flippant. Right. Because you can fix it, because you think you can see it. This is so many different ways yeah. that we can rationalize. I can control this, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. So let's talk um, So let's talk a little bit about this false assurance, right? You said, um, I thought this was really good. Um, you said people... Uh, who are concerned? So, as pastors, we face we face this question throughout all of our ministry: people who are, are doubting whether or not they really belong to God. A- am I really a sheep? Right? Um, and and you said that one comforting thing is is that people that are concerned about whether or not they are believers usually are believers. In my opinion, right? Yes. And and I've and I've and I've uh, experienced the same thing in ministry. When you have somebody that's concerned about whether or not they are. They, mm-hmm. they usually are because yep. goats aren't worried about whether they're sheep or not, mm-hmm. right? Um, and dead people are just going to do dead things, right? Yes. They don't they don't care about it. Yeah, pick dead. a picture. <laughs> right, yeah, they're just dead. So, that, so that's a good thing. That, that's an encouragement, right? Um, and I think often we, we it's interesting, as you said earlier, in the warning, we, we jump right to the end of like the consequence mm-hmm. of not following or heeding the warning oh, crap, am I really a believer or not? Versus saying, hang on a second, like, no, sheep don't have to fear this. I can, this is actually an encouragement to me. Yeah. Um, and then the same thing when I begin to, if somebody doubts 
their salvation, whether they really are in Christ, we don't stop and say, why do I even have that? Like maybe that's yeah. an evidence of something <laughs> at work in me that's not me. Yes, for real. This analogy falls apart pretty quickly, but it helps establish kind of this this picture. Uh, people are like Pinocchio, right? Mm. And they're like, am I, I want to be a real boy. I'm, I'm not a real, a real boy. boy, right? Right. It's like, okay, there are three different categories then there, right? There's, there's not moving, Mm-hmm. There's moving, and then there's real boy. Right. But let's be concerned about the first two categories. You're freaking alive. Right. <laughs> right. 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 You, quit worrying about whether you're a real boy. You're a live puppet. Right. Like, what the heck, man? Sure. And so we have a bunch of Pinocchios who are maybe wanting to make sure that they'll be a real boy one day. Mm-hmm. That they'll be saved. Sure. But you're alive. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. asking the question. No, that's good. It's the other good. puppet isn't. Yeah, and I've I've definitely encourage people in that as well it's a good picture of election as well but oh, this is true oh, that's good <laughs> i like it russ always has the greatest most random though analogies like this <laughs> i would have never thought of pinocchio um yeah that's good though um when do you think though is there a place where that where that um encouragement has to change so somebody's doubting their salvation and you've said hey look you know the fact that you're doubting here or concerned Mm-hmm. is actually a, probably an evidence that you are. Is there a time when that needs to to change? Is there a time when that's not helpful? Or is there maybe a, a false assurance in that? Yeah, so from my experience, uh, this is just, again, my experience, I always see this conversation going one of the two ways that it can go. Mm-hmm. They're doubting their salvation as the first part, and then you find out why. Like, what is it that's making them doubt that? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's because of sin good right (laughs) maybe you're not right if it's because of particularly uh uh, one or two sins that you aren't repenting of Mm -hmm. then praise god what you're experiencing is called conviction Mm -hmm. and it is potentially the beginning of your regeneration like amen yeah but what is most often is over the security side knowing Mm. and and it's some mystical spiritual mental i don't know they're looking for some kind of satisfaction right that they should already have from the scriptures yeah and and what makes it particularly kind of tricky is you start to get i think some of satan asking did he really say by by taking these warnings and saying well then how can i ever really know right because the rest of the bible says you can know right yeah and And because this isn't talking about that this is talking about something else yeah yeah. So for me, man, it, it's what's motivating your concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, a sheep, this is sheep. Right. That That's the end of the, the board. Right. Now, whether or not you're going to be an emaciated sheep, whether or not mm-hmm. you're going to have the best fur, whether or not you're Whoa. going to be an annoying sheep, are completely different questions. <laughs> <laughs> you annoying sheep. But you're a sheep. Right. You know? Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I do. I do think we see people that are like, I want to be able to to grab a hold of it with both hands mm-hmm. and hold on to it. We're a bit of a doubting Thomas in that. I, unless I can actually grab a hold of it, yeah. I'm not going to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- but th- therein is the therein is the perseverance and the preservation yes. of God's saints. Right. Yes. I'm I'm persevering, and the fact that I'm persevering and working 
is a sign that I am being preserved by God. Yeah, because the only way to shake that is to trust his preservations, the trusting aspect. Yeah. yeah. You, you, have, you have to land there. If you don't land on trusting, then what you have actually done is expose mm-hmm. your own pride. You've exposed right. your own keeping. Yeah, I, I, mean, I heard Beg say this one time. He's like, how will we know who is saved? Well, by those who are there in the end. Yes. And he said, I, th- I think that there will be in everyone a little bit of a looking around saying, oh, I made it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. like, praise God. And I, I do think that will be the case, right? Yep. Uh, praise God. I made it. Right? And I do think that if, you know, when we, if we are feeling convicted about sin, I think that, praise God, that could be the start of your regeneration. And or if you're feeling convicted about sin and you're saying, you're saying I don't uh, necessarily know if I'm a Christian or not because my life is not I'm not doing sheepy things like you said. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, praise God. Uh-huh. Right? The fact that you know that at a deeper level than just some kind of morality that the world knows. Yeah. Is probably an evidence, right? Yeah. Now now you just now it's simple. Just go repent. Go repent. <laughs> and walk in faith. I'm walk in faith. Yeah. Yeah, cuz the other the whole looking around and saying <laughs> I made it right. is because the Christian life is is one by suffering. Mm. Um, now we're victorious sufferers, yeah. but it's by suffering. And so that if, if people aren't doubting their salvation from how was it established? How do I know that type of thing that Mm -hmm. we've been talking about? Mm -hmm. Then they usually doubt it from the suffering side. Where's God? Yeah. Right. Right. And, and seeing that you make it through suffering is only going to happen by knowing what you are Mm -hmm. and knowing who he is. Right. That's the entire point of the relationship. It's good. (laughs) And I think too, as, as you as you speak about suffering, remembering that um, blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're suffering for your own foolishness because you're overestimating and you jumped off the ledge <laughs> of the Grand Canyon, right? Well, but there, well, we should not expect any less than what our Savior went through, mm-hmm. right? And He promised that we would go through it as well, and that we are actually being refined by suffering, and that there's this new uh, norm of suffering for the Christian, again, another evidence, Yeah. right? Maybe I'm under the discipline of mm-hmm. the Lord for, for some kind of a sin, or maybe I'm just- Because under, he loves you. Because he loves you, or I'm <laughs> under the refining mm-hmm. of the Lord because he loves me. Mm-hmm. Again, evidences. God doesn't discipline those who are not his children, right? Is As much as I want to in the, in the store sometimes, you know, yes. like, <laughs> that kid's not mine, but yeah. I could handle that for you, Yep. right? Or at least give you some pointers, but no, I discipline my kids. Because I love them. Yep. Because not disciplining your kids is child abuse, yep. and so God is a good father, and He disciplines you. So it's a sign of His, of His indwelling of the, of the Holy Spirit in you, and then the suffering that you walk through to be sanctified and refined. Again, another evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we can look for these false assurances of, well, I just want my life to be okay, right? That, why does it seem like my life's falling apart? And we have such a false prosperity gospel in our our culture, especially in this Dayton region, of that. Yeah. You know, well, if I'm a Christian, my life will be kind of just hunky dory, uh-huh. right? Versus saying, no, actually, yeah. these are signs that I'm actually a, a child of God. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's talk about the, the deceitfulness of sin. You said I thought this was really good. Uh, some people, and I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing you here. Some people who rest in the promises of God, right? So some people will rest in the promises of God without actually doing, mm-hmm. right? anything with that promise they're not they're they're not living out the um, the uh, the promise uh, so that is probably a proof that they're not been a recipient of that promise yes right 
and I think we see this a lot, um, that people will rest in those promises. And I think that resting quote unquote can look a lot of different ways. Um, you know, that rest can look like showing up randomly to a church and saying, you know, that's my church, mm-hmm. right? But there's no real accountability there. There's no real covenant community there. Um, having an experience, you know, you're, you're basically all these things, basically benefits of, of salvation, benefits of the community. And so you're kind of receiving that spillover, um, but it's not really yours. No, all you have is the t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah but you, you got it at the thrift store. Mm-hmm. Right, you actually didn't get to go to con. You didn't go to the concert. Yep. <laughs> right, you yes. just got out of the thrift store. And so, what? Uh, so, how do we, as as not just elders, but as covenant members, as we have people um, in and out of the church, uh, and we want our churches to be open places where people can come and hear the gospel. We want to be places of hospitality. But as we walk in fellowship with these people, as we walk in different aspects or categories of community with these people. Um, how do we, how do we interact with those people that we are afraid or just resting in the promise, but we're like, we're not quite seeing any, anything else. So I'm not trying to dodge your question, but everything okay. that you just described, if you listen to the language that you use, you were describing a category of people. Yep. You're describing verse 13, mm. people who are doing the exhorting, the encouraging daily. Yeah. And so if you're not getting that, it means you're probably not with that category of people. That's good. If you're not doing that, you're not with that category of people. Mm -hmm. And so this is where I, I um, (laughs) we can take this picture of Hebrews really deep. Right. Like that's why it has so much of the Torah in Mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, that's why I was trying to make it as simple as don't do stupid. Right. (laughs) Right. If you're not with that category of people, then why would you expect to be considered that category of people? Right. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see in the scriptures and I don't see any hope for someone to just be able to drop in here and there. That's right. why we practice here covenant membership. Yeah. Um, because I need you here to do the encouraging. Yeah. I need to be there for you to do the encouraging. Yeah. Um, uh, there's literally no way around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no technological one, no spiritual one. Mm. You can't you can't replicate that anywhere else. And that is the primary defense yeah. for the hardening. Mm. So I, I don't know what what card you might have left. Yeah. Uh, certainly nothing to hang your hat on for any kind of hope. Mm. And, and I think that that's the deceitfulness. It just, just creeps right in. Yeah. Oh, I got this. I, I know the basics and. And I'm there on Sunday. Right. Doing what? Right. Leaning on what? Hoping right. on what? Yeah. You had an entire generation of people. You had millions of people in the in the wilderness who saw the sacrifices. Yeah. And they didn't account for them for anything. Right. They had the t-shirt. They had their tribe. They, all that stuff. But what does it say at the end? With them, God was not pleased. Yeah. They had some experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they felt a lot of different emotions about those experiences. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yes. God loves us. Oh, God hates us. Oh. <laughs> For real. <laughs> All these yeah. things. Yeah. So I hear your point. I, these, you know, you can shoot off in so many different directions. This is one of the reasons we, we keep the, the gate closed and hard to get into as it mm-hmm. were when it comes to covenant membership, because we want to be sure. 
Yeah. All right. And we see this um, in our culture today, just such a stepping away from covenant church membership, churches that have no membership, no mm-hmm. accountability, massive churches where there's nobody knows anybody really. Yep. Shepherds don't know their flock. And so, so I, we've talked about this a lot lately, you and I, there's such a fear of lots of people just being in holding pins. It's not a, it's not a flock of yes. sheep. It's not a fold. Um, with the good shepherd, it's just a holding pen for hell with a bunch yep. of goats who are pretending, yeah, you know, to be sheep. And there's this there's this false assurance um, that they have, and you can you can get that false assurance through coming and singing your favorite song, mm-hmm. you know, listening to a sermon. If you, you know, I think the danger, and this is again the deceitfulness of sin. The danger is is for some people to hear Pastor Russ's sermon on how you can know and the warning and all these things and walk away and from that encouragement mm-hmm. and be like, I know. Yep. And, but that's, but that is what they're putting their trust in is a, is a good experience that they had and an encouraging sermon and some very well-crafted songs that highlighted the text mm-hmm. afterwards. And there was a good emotional experience about that. Yep. And they meant very well about it. Like and they, they want mm-hmm. to be a sheep. But, yep, they, but they your ride trust is in my sermon, right? And not the Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah, because Monday comes, right? Yep. <laughs> and Tuesday, and that that feeling fades quickly. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we are fickle in these things. So often we look for something that we can grab a hold of, um, unless I can, unless I can put my fingers in the nail holes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So trust. Um, what are some? Uh, what are some other? F- False assurances, maybe that you have seen classically um, in your ministry experience, people, things that people kind of hold on to. I mean, there's a, a kind of a plethora of them, but I'll just yeah. mention a few as we move on here. Um, one of the easiest ways to to fish these out in your own life is just what gives you confidence mm-hmm. and rest. And if it's not Jesus, then yeah, you're you're not necessarily wrong. You can probably like, for instance, Lord's Supper should be a means of grace mm. of of helping you recognize that you're <laughs> you're persevering right that like, sh- should legitimately be that right but if it is only in the fact that i can still take the lord's supper right and that the elders aren't just yelling at me <laughs> you're missing the point like, right it's 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 communion with jesus mm-hmm. so all that to say yeah lord's supper would be would be a big one um our baptism uh is, is a big one it is is Holy the point, W H O L. Holy the point, uh, in a few denominations. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the biggest one is uh, date and time. I don't remember when I was saved. Right. So, am I? Yeah. Are you drowning right now? <laughs> you were saved. Okay. So. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's true. That's in my experience as well. That's the date and time. You know, can you? Well, can you? Can you remember the day and the time and what you said and where you were? Yeah. But personally, I can't. You know, like I, I said a prayer when I was five. I think I got saved truly when I was 12 or 13. And then lately I was thinking like, I don't know. I understood the gospel pretty well when I was five. Like I kind of always knew my need for Jesus. Yep. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the assurance that I have is right now, mm-hmm. my hand is on the lamb. Yes. Right. And I think that too often when asking these questions about, am I really a sheep? We do this looking backwards at um a date and a time mm-hmm. was there a specific place where i got saved i didn't think there's a i do think there's a time and a place uh when you were born again 
Yeah. Whether you remember that though is not important. Mm Mm-hmm. But people really struggle with that. And there's a bajillion analogies for this. Like, oh, there's so many. So you're running your marathon, and someone mm-hmm. is on the side and goes, Hey, Jeff, are you racing in this race? I'm like, oh, I, don't I don't know. I don't know if I started or not. I don't remember when I started. <laughs> I don't know. That's usually how you feel, by the way. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that? Is what it, am I doing? It's a drowning in the ocean thing. I don't remember when I was saved, but mm. I'm not in the water right now. Right. Like, yeah. I'm on the beach. I'm not in the water drowning yes. anymore. And so what's dangerous about that is it doesn't matter when your regeneration is. Yes. Mm. Simply for the fact that you were regenerated. Yes. Uh, that's not what we're placing your hope in, is right. it? Is right. it in the, the potential to become uh, uh, born again, a new life? Mm. That's not what he tells Nicodemus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Come into new life. Yeah. So when asking these questions, we should we should look at the now. It's yeah. okay to look at the past. I'm not saying, I'm not completely crapping on a time and a place. And if, like, if I know where I was and what happened and what I said, some people have that experience. Awesome. Yeah, your sanctification from whenever that was to now is better proof than the fact that you remember when it was. Right, exactly, exactly. And so there's a looking at the fruit and looking at now. And that example of where is your hand, if, if people aren't familiar with that, um, there's a book called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. I think it's by Greer. And he talks about Old Testament saints placing their hand on yeah. the lamb the sacrificial lamb being killed. And in that moment, when you think about it, like they don't they don't understand all this. Mm-hmm. They just know God said to do it mm-hmm. and this was an atonement. Yep. And so in the same way, we don't fully understand, although we are on this side of the cross and understand a lot more than they did, mm-hmm. um, exactly how all this works out. It's but my hand is on the lamb. It's funny you mentioned that book. That book has, a, it might be even the same chapter, has a phenomenal chapter on repentance. Oh yeah, it rises. And it, right, it, does. it outlines uh, what repentance is and what repentance isn't. Yeah. And a lot of these isn'ts are things that are revealing where where your hand is, yeah. what you're actually trusting. Yeah, what you're trusting in. I think a lot of um, you know, if your confidence that you said, I want to highlight again, your com- if your confidence and hope and assurance and peace is in other things besides Jesus, that's a warning sign. Yes, that's a big red flag. Uh, and a lot of times, I think. Uh, you know, you often say, it's kind of your tagline, you know, we get God. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't stir your soul and, and excite you and, 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 and that is, that is really your chief concern. Mm-hmm. If your chief concern is, well, I don't want to, you know, in the classic language, like burn in hell. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I don't either. Right. But, but there is kind of a self-focus there. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 um, so if I'm made to be with God, there's still this, well, I want that. Yeah. But it's, it's not in the so, safe, same self preservation type attitude as mm-hmm. like, I don't want to burn in hell. It's, I, I want to be with God. Yeah. And if that's a desire that you have and that's your concern, I don't want to miss that. I think that's a good place to be. Yep. Like, I, I want God mm-hmm. and I want to be with Him. It I don't want to be separated from Him. It was a piece that we were talking about in Cold Pizza either last week or the week before. I think last week was Christmas. Um, the idea is why isn't that satisfying? Mm-hmm. If, if that's not satisfying, then what are you looking for? Yeah. I think that was last. Uh, that was a big pizza. deal for us as a church, even over the yeah. last year. Yeah. Is, if Jesus is not enough, what are you looking for? It means that there's something else that you're chasing. Yeah. Because you've already got this. Right. This is the whole point of it's as good as done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and from when you, if you have Christ, then it's simply in the words of Narnia, it's just further up and further in Yeah, of that. Yeah. That's that, and it just becomes more and more and more, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, we we need to walk in 
in that joy. Uh, quickly, um, how should we interact? Again, we just reiterate kind of this question. What are some uh, ways we should interact with people that on one day it kind of looks like a goat, on the other day kind of looks like a sheep, right? Because <laughs> so there's times uh, in people that I'm ministering to or people that uh, outside of our church that I'm in relationship with who claim to be believers. Mm-hmm. And one day I'm like, you look like a goat. <laughs> like you're not a Christian. And other days I'm like, well, you no, you look like a sheep. You are a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um if we're supposed to, again, in church community, supposed to exhort one another, um, what are we supposed to do if we're not quite sure? Do we just start preaching the gospel straight up as an evangelistic? Or do we start treating them as a weaker brother? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Uh, because I can't help myself. Um, this is not, I would not advocate for this, but this has been my experience. Uh-huh. Um, I've never been headbutted by a sheep. I'm often <laughs> headbutt by goats. You right. go to young Zeri and you watch the goats there where that's you can true. feed them. Um, they they headbutt each other a lot. Yeah. And that's an interesting anecdote. I'll yeah. leave it at that. Um, <laughs> that's true. And they eat garbage. That's it. <laughs> goats yeah. eat garbage. Yeah. That's yeah. And they don't taste as good as pigs. So, um <laughs> Man, for me, there's there's two things. Uh, I have found one of the most helpful things in th- that will encourage a sheep, legitimately, mm-hmm. who's um, m- maybe less mature, but also help you and them discern whether or not they're a goat, is to ask the question about repentance. What okay. are you repenting for mm-hmm. now? Because coming from a big Eva style church, yeah. um, and my own walk with in faith early on uh was i repented when i got saved right we talk about this in dna this is a big piece up there uh from from keller i believe is is we often repent when we believe the gospel and then move on to just be better and so when i talk to you know from family to to old friends to whatever who i believe are legitimately saved yeah um they they don't really have an answer they already repented and so what you have the opportunity to do then is verse 13, you exhort people uh, mm-hmm. today. <laughs> yeah. How are you seeing the fact that you're a servant in the house and we are the house? How are you today mm-hmm. living in light of what it means to be called his brother? Mm-hmm. Uh, the That active walk in faithfulness, faithful blessing as a, was our second point, really outlines that and, and, and accomplishes those two points of encouraging a legitimate sheep, true Israel, and calling to task a goat. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would say, um, because I want to (laughs) hear how you handle these, Uh, the big one for me has been probably for the past seven years or so, the parable of the sower, not the four different seeds, uh, Mm -hmm. although I I alluded to that yesterday. Uh, The other one of the return on on the field. Yeah. The the parable goes that you some people will sow and only get a 10% return mm-hmm. on their field. Others 30, others 50, 70, 90, 100%. And what I want to see is people get as big of a return on their field as possible. Mm-hmm. And so this is someone who legitimately has a, a crop, right? The problem is, is there's not a whole lot of difference, at least observable difference between a 10% yield and zero. Mm. But there's some. Yeah. You know, and I think that discerning those people who have a 10% yield versus a goat 
is is the challenge and mm. that is when you really lean into the repentance because they're still sowing something yeah yeah it's true. the others are just taking and headbutting yeah that's good that's good i don't have a ton to add to that i would just say again i think god has given us the tools to deal with these things um i think primarily he's given us uh the process of church discipline and i don't mean i don't mean that simply in the um what we kind of go to in well excommunication but the process of matthew 18 um and the inspecting of one another's fruit so i think that um if we see somebody that's walking um inconsistently and you're like man this this person seems like a goat well do they seem like a goat do they do more goat things or they do more sheep things yeah. Right. They do more goaty things or more sheepy things. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have to observe that. I think we have to um, get close enough to them and interact with them closely enough to be able to observe that and to know the truth ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think then we have to just simply continue to preach the gospel to them because what you said we make this mistake that well I repented back then I don't need to continue that Luther said the whole of the Christian life is repentance. Yeah. And so I get to heaven. And so if you see somebody that's acting like a goat, call it out. Well, so there's these two categories, a sheep and goat, that I brought up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two spoilers that kind of throw some of my simplistic stuff to the wind yes- yesterday. One, uh, sheep are known for being stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so you, you, we will still do stupid things as we sheep, will. all right? So <clears throat> nonetheless, that first indication still stands but there's a third category that we're supposed to be on watch for and what is that from acts 20 mm-hmm. sheep oh wait it's not a sheep it's a wolf with sheepskin yeah and man that's why this mm-hmm. conversation matters that's why the resting as a sheep needs to matter yeah because wolves that have sheepskin look really suspicious yeah <laughs> they they do not sheep what things big teeth you have exactly <laughs> Exactly. What big claws you have. And, and so, man, I, as a shepherd at least, uh, that's what I'm looking out for. I'm yeah. much, much less concerned about whether you think you're sheepish enough. Yeah. Um, if I think that you're a sheep and you're, as far as I can be concerned and my responsibility is, mm-hmm. I think you're a sheep. Yeah. I could be proven wrong. Sure. Uh, but I'm looking out for the wolves that are going to eat you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think you got to preach the gospel to of repentance to sheep and goats if you don't mm-hmm. know right and, that, and you walk in sanctification and community with those people and if you see who you think to be sheep acting like goats call them to repentance in accordance with matthew 18 see how they respond mm-hmm. right yeah i mean they, they might do some kicking and, and, well, and happens running <laughs> you know because sheep will run off a cliff every mm-hmm. now and then um, and drown themselves in quick moving water. That's yeah. Psalm 23 comes in. Yeah, exactly. All these things. Um, but as we pursue that, if the, if they are really sheep, uh, then they will know the shepherd's voice, right? They exactly. Come, come and so fold. when it comes to the tension in these passages of the danger of us giving people false assurance, mm-hmm. preach it to the sheep. Yeah. Wh- whose responsibility is it to decide and find out whether or not you're a sheep? Mm-hmm. You. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. You're the one that's on the hook for that. Yeah. Not the shepherd. Right. I can't make you become a sheep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I can be careful not to hold your hand into hell, but mm-hmm. that's called laying you down in in the grass. Yeah. Away from the mo- moving water, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to preach the passage to the people it's intended for, yeah, the sheep. That's good. And the other people are on the hook for hearing it the way they're supposed to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and ultimately, as under shepherds um, of God's flock, we have a great confidence and rest in the chief shepherd who yeah. knows his sheep. Yeah, right? there are three other shepherds in my particular field. <laughs> And a guy up there who actually chose the sheep, so yeah. I ain't too worried. <laughs> yes, I can trust that. I can. And that, whether it's somebody I'm preaching the gospel to that's close to me, and I'm like, I don't really know, mm-hmm. all right? I can trust that if, if I walk in faithfulness to preach the gospel of faith and repentance to them, um, that the chief shepherd knows, and yeah. he will deal, he will do rightly in the end. He will. Uh, quickly, let's talk about true assurance then. So you said, how do I know that I know, right? I know that we want to do that Thomas thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to grab a hold of this, and how do I really, really know? Um, we've already talked about, you know, some people can look to these false assurances of a date and time or baptism or resting in the promises, looking for those emotional experiences. Um, so what is our true assurance? Um, what are some what are some things that you would encourage our people with as as they are perhaps struggling with that? Maybe maybe they're not struggling struggling with it as much as others are. Maybe it's not plaguing them. But what are some ways that you would say, no, this this is true. This is false assurance. We talked about that. What is true assurance? Yeah, uh, my first thing has got to be you have you have to know your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> you have to know where to go when you are struggling with things like this mm-hmm. because the scriptures give us so many pictures. The one that I usually point people to when they're asking this question is First John. Uh, the light and darkness, and mm. this is what you'll do if you're a believer. Those who are believers yeah. do this. Those yeah. who aren't don't. Yeah. So, I mean, that one is just littered with stuff. We've spent time there as a church recently, mm. even. Um, but another one that comes to mind is of Galatians 5, right? Mm. Particularly talking about grace. We first talk about the freedom that we should have, right? Uh, specifically above the law, uh, because it talks about circumcision. But then he jumps into the fruit of the Spirit, right? I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Mm. What was the uh, what did First Corinthians ten say? The issue was with the Israelites; they had evil desires. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, if you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you'll do these things. If you're led by the flesh, you'll do these things. Mm. So sit down and say, which things am I doing? Then sit down with somebody else and let them, uh, Hebrews 3.13 you, and say, <laughs> yes, you're doing these, or no, you're not doing these. Uh, we'll make this entirely more complicated than it should be. Our yeah. true assurance should be, are you walking with the Spirit? Are you walking in the light? Are you doing the basics of the faith? Are you no loving and obeying Jesus Christ? Yeah. Is he your Lord? And And... If there's something else that's more satisfactory than what he said and that I will do what I will do and you can trust me, yeah. <laughs> then you're looking for the wrong thing. Yeah. Amen. I love how Russ just, he will make a, a such a good statement and then I'll say like, amen. And he'll just kind of <laughs> shrug his shoulders like, I said what I said. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. I got nothing else to say. I can't drop the mic. It's on a boom. Can't drop the mic. It's on a, it's on a boom. Yeah, so go do go do sheepy things um, and trust. I was thinking about Philippians 1, um, 3 through 6. You were talking about this as the Israelites. You know, it's interesting what the promise that they had, it was theirs when they left, mm-hmm. right? 
And and so I was thinking about Philippians uh, 1. Paul kind of uses that same type of language. He's talking about praying for them, give thanks in, all, in my prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day mm-hmm. until now. There's this, there's, this, there's this trail of faithfulness, this mm-hmm. sanctification. And he has this confidence, though, that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to get to Hebrews 12, <laughs> where it exhorts us to lay aside every weight and sin yeah. that clings so closely with us and run with patience to race to set before us. And some perhaps are are doubting whether they're sheep, but what they're doing is they're just living, uh, they're letting their phantom self and the lies of the old man, like mm-hmm. pull, putting that corpse up on their back yep. and trying to run with that. Yeah. So lay that aside, right? Yep. Um, every weight and sin which clings so closely to you. Repent of your sin and lay aside the other things that are hindering you. And and answer the see if you can because you can't answer the question. What will make me feel better? Mm. What will make me feel like I'm secure? Yeah, and you can't answer that. There's no other answer than what you're supposed to be and are already believing. Right. Yeah, that's good. And and the encouragement that we see in all of these things, whenever Paul talks about running that he may obtain, or pre- pressing forward, right? Uh, in Philippians 3, I press forward to make it my own. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Like yes. I work these. Th- I work at my salvation, mm-hmm. and I, I run, and I persevere, and I push these things uh, to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Yep. And, and I run with patience the race that is set before me, mm-hmm. looking to who? To Jesus, the author, the perfecter, yep. right? He, he's already run it, he's done it, and uh, let's let's seek to rest yeah, is, is in the, that. As uh, Matt preached about a little bit ago, the forerunner. Yeah, right? exactly, the forerunner. Yeah, and I was I was uh, speaking of running. I was running on a trail yesterday, um, and I was kind of on a nature preserve, and uh, came around the corner, and there was a, a bunch of. A bunch of big trees. It was kind of in a creek area. A bunch of big giant trees along the creek, really pretty trees. Um, and then I came around this corner, and there was a lot of like young trees, a ton of young trees planted. And there was a sign there, so I ran over to look at the sign, acting like I was looking at the sign, but I was just trying to catch my breath. <laughs> <laughs> but it was talking about um, uh, the purpose for planting these trees um, was to uh, prevent runoff into the river into the creek so that the trees not only helped uh keep the mud from sliding into the creek a fairly large creek um but it also the the trees would um would consume or or uh, soak up any toxins yeah uh, that were they were potentially going to come into the creek and then go and you know, those toxins would go and destroy other things so i was thinking of many analogies there but mostly I was, I was pondering um, your sermon and thinking about those, those small trees are, as it were, the truth uh, that we set up against the lies oh, yeah. to keep from running into yeah. you know, the streams of our life, so to speak, uh, that are going to lead to all sorts of other damage. Mm-hmm. So fortify your minds. Take captive every thought right, to the obedience of Christ. Mm-hmm. Don't, let, don't let these things have just free reign, rent-free, as you say, in your brain every single day. Mm-hmm. Some of you are being plagued with things you shouldn't be worried about whatsoever at all. Yes. And in fact, need to, with confidence, right, go out and, and run the race. Yeah. 
Yep, because that the call before uh, Matt's passage two weeks ago, mine this week, uh, was that whole hold fast your confidence and boast in your hope. Yeah. And then he goes into this. Yeah. This is why you can. Right, exactly. And I mean, I'm just a big um, fan of Luther's practice of preach the gospel to yourself and preach the gospel to Satan. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's what Luther had a practice of doing. So when condemnation comes, uh, we say there is no condemnation to those who are, who are what in Christ Jesus. In yep. Right in Christ Jesus, and so we can when we when we have just counseling somebody in this recently, like I just have all these thoughts of I'm just not worthy, I'm just worthless, I'm just a sinner. I said, well, here's the good news of the gospel. You can say that's that's true, Satan. I am unworthy, but <laughs> let me tell you the rest of the story. Uh-huh. Right? Look what he's made me. Yes, and that's the story that Satan doesn't like, mm-hmm. and he will flee. Yeah. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, it's been fun hosting. It's probably been a nice long one. Get your <laughs> money's worth when I'm around. Okay. Bonus material. Bonus material. All right. Well, we are uh, excited about our series in Hebrews, and we hope that these extra materials have been helpful to you. And as always, we want to encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as the Lord of all. We'll see you next time. See ya.